What does it take to be an independent filmmaker in Owensboro? That's what we're going to find out when we talk with P.J. Starks and Eric Huskisson about their past and future movie projects. So it's lights, camera, action. And this is Inquire. From the Mystery Inquire, I'm Don Wilkins. And joining me this week are P.J. Starks and Eric Huskisson. And here's a sample of what we're going to be talking about. Spent all day looking at the rest of the house. One more room won't kill us. So that was a portion of the trailer from the independent film Vibes of Blood, Horror Stories. And you don't have to be a fan of horror movies to appreciate what PJ and Eric are doing here. They're two independent filmmakers in Owensboro who just love to make movies and they just happen to be horror flicks. So I sat down with them recently to talk about what that's like to be independent filmmakers here in Owensboro and the challenges and struggles and the gratification that they get from the experience. Here's PJ and Eric. Would you like me to go first? Since, go steam start here. Since I have such an extensive filmography. <laughs> Um, <laughs> here's a, here's an hour. Uh, no. So, I mean, I've just, I've been interested in filmmaking for, you know, a really long time since I was a kid. And, um, ultimately, uh, I've just been kind of dabbling in this, uh, for, in 2000, I started working at OCTV. I was there for about 10 years and, um, did a lot of side projects and things. I uh, did some films. You guys actually have covered pretty much my majority of the projects that I've done going all the way back to 2001 but uh um so I, the way eric and i ended up kind of getting connected was uh i had approached the davis county public library with the idea for unscripted which is uh, still going on today this is back in uh the tail end of 2012 it got started in 2013 and um the whole idea is uh, filmmakers come in they screen their short films and then they uh, do a brief q a then they go back or they show the film a second time, and then they do a live Q&A, so, or a live audio commentary, if you will. And uh, it became really popular. And then we did a zombie night, and Eric came in. And uh, funny enough, I think he ended up competing against a bunch of kids, and he's really proud of that, that fact. And uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Did you win? That was, that was the um, – I came back a second time. Did you win? That was, was the it? second time with the kid. The first time was with uh, Lisa Duvall on the others. Hmm. So, well, Eric, either. I got to ask you this question. Were you a fast zombie or a slow zombie? Um, I was a slow zombie. Okay, I wasn't one of the, you know, World War Z ones that, you know, <laughs> screaming and running the whole time. I know there's that debate, you know, right. between the fast zombie and the <laughs> slow zombie. I don't know. Yeah, actually, he had had a zombie night, and uh, I showed up. He was having a contest um, for um, people coming dressed as zombies. Um and uh, a friend and I had came and seen one of the other ones and found out that's what was going on, and I wanted to make some money, so 
my my background is I wanted to, to be special effects actor, kind of that thing. And um, I did show up to another one they did. There was a bunch of kids there. And so I, the second one is yeah, when he makes fun of me because of there, there's all kids there and I should have just <laughs> backed out. And I was like, I was like, I went to all this trouble. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, but the first one's the one that actually uh, I had never even met PJ. And um, I was in high, when I was in high school, I got into theater and that's what got me started. I've always been a horror movie at heart. I used to wake, stay up late with my dad on Fridays and Saturday nights when I was a kid watching horror movies. Uh, fascinated by special effects is what got me hooked into it. And as I got into theater in high school, I wanted to be more of an actor, but I still did a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, so like I said, a friend of ours went to uh, his unscripted at the library and then I saw the zombie night getting ready to happen. And I'm like, hey, yeah, let's, let's do that. You know, I want to do the makeup. And I came in second under Lisa Duval that That's night. That's right. And um, he kind of come up and talked to me at the end and we kind of exchanged numbers and um, we did a, um, Thing. Was it about a month later, six weeks later? Yeah, I, I was uh, I was brought in to work on the WBKR zombie run video, and um, uh, because because Eric had done such a tremendous job with his with his costume and everything, I thought it'd be really cool to have him kind of reprise that zombie in the video, and uh, so I ended up getting in touch with him. He came out, and uh, a, fr a friend of his named Grady. Um, had actually come and he was a body under a sheet and that kind of a thing. So that's how we ultimately ended up really getting to work together for the first time was through the WBKR zombie run video. So I like how you guys talk. You know, you reference people. He was a body under the sheet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can't tell already, horror is definitely yeah. our, our first love. Somebody has to do it. That's right. Uh, so anyway, um, so after that happened, I was also co helping co-coordinate the film festival at Scarefest in Lexington. And I think at that same shoot, I actually approached Eric and was like, hey, I'm doing this. Would you like to come help volunteer and be a part of it? And he said, yeah. So um, we became fast friends yeah. after that. And then we've pretty much worked on everything together since. Yeah. And I that, think, that think... leading up to us creating Blood Moon Pictures, and it was December of 2015. So. Yeah, I think you've you've done a lot. He's done a lot of producing for other films, but that's basically here in Owensboro. He hasn't really went on set and done his own thing without me being there and being a part of it somehow. Yeah, after well, when so volumes of blood, which ultimately came out of unscripted, um, that project inevitably went on to do far better than what either one of us or anybody anticipated. And because of that, that actually op kind of opened up a flood gate, if I could say it, geez. <laughs> and uh, I started being able to reach out to other filmmakers. And since then, I, I have been doing a lot of executive producing on other films kind of around the region and some across the country. But um, anything locally, though, that we've been doing, Eric and I have worked directly together on those. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't done any theater or worked with makeup in a long time. And when I did the zombie thing with him with the WBKR and we hit it off, uh, doing a couple of small things. When I found out about Volumes of Blood, I basically begged and pleaded anything. I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> I hound him. I said, I don't care what it is. And uh, so there's kind of a joke in the movie where I'm wearing a um, PJ's assistant shirt in the movie. And um, and ironically, to this day, he's still my assistant. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but um, in doing so, I mean, the movie did so well. We worked so well together. That's what prompted us to uh, form Blood Moon Pictures in 2015, in December 2015. So, talk about the challenges, though, of being an independent filmmaker. Um, 
especially you know here in Owensboro, I, I can't imagine that this is a hotbed for for filmmakers. But you guys are here doing your thing, and how difficult is it for you guys? I mean, in the very beginning, when I first started getting serious um, about doing this, it, it was extremely difficult in the sense that uh, um, when I mean, I, I'm technically I'm I still consider myself a nobody, but when you've done nothing and you haven't made a name for yourself in any capacity, uh, it does take people a lot to trust you or to be even believe that you're making a film because it's not every day when you approach someone about uh, a location or what whatever the resource is that you're needing locally. And you say, hey, I'm making a film. A lot of people don't uh, take you seriously or they automatically as assume that it's adult film because it's in this area. And I mean, that's not the case whatsoever, but um, over the years, uh, after I started really making a name for myself and doing, doing these things, it did get gradually easier in the sense that, uh, you know, now, um, and it annoys the crap out of my wife, but like, you know, we'll go, if we go somewhere in public, there are people that uh, from time to time will be like, hey, you're that, horror director you're the guy you're the horror producer you make movies around here and um, because of that it has made acquiring certain things resources be it wardrobe or help uh, like if we need production assistance and stuff like that um, th in those cases it has made it uh, easier the the hardest part um, especially now the hardest part is financing um, because the the bigger you the bigger you do things, the larger things become in scope. Um, it does cost. There there is a cost associated with that. Not everything comes for free, and um, so finding financial backing that seems to be I would say one of the the biggest challenges we run into now. Whereas, and it's and it's funny because um, finding like a location or asking people to shoot in their homes and stuff like that, people are a lot more um, open to those sorts of things, which, you know, and I think, too, I think a lot of what's helped that is uh, horror, the, the horror genre in general um, has just gotten to be even more mainstream today thanks to, you know, shows like Supernatural or The Walking Dead. Uh, more people are... Um, more people are enjoying these things. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't find too many people going out and watching, a, you know, watching zombie movies. People wouldn't go out of their way to watch zombie show, you know, films. But The Walking Dead is a lot more than just zombies and yeah. gore and killing. It's drama. It's about relationships. It's about social issues and things of that nature. So people who typically wouldn't leave their house to go see this stuff are now seeing it because they can stay at home and do so. And the popularity of it has opened people's minds to where now when we approach people and say, hey, we're doing this, would you, you know, like to be a part of it somehow? Or would you allow us to, to use whatever it is that you have that we, we you know, we need? Um, they're a lot more open to that, thankfully. Yeah. So PJ told me that, Eric, you're kind of the, the business side mm -hmm. of this. So what is the as far as the most expensive part of, of making a, a movie that you found so far? Hands down, special effects. I mean, when, especially when you're doing horror, um, you want to have that element in the film that gets that awe effect, and if you're going to do that, you're, you're going to have to spend money on special effects. I mean, of course, 
you know, there's other things that play in. Um, and going back with your, your question about what's, you know, being hard in this area to be a filmmaker, the other thing of that is the time frame and trying to get people because we don't have the money and uh, that we want to get at times. Um, so we can't hire actors to come in or actors to come in. A lot of people have to volunteer and then we have to work with their time because they're working jobs. Um, so with that part of it, then we're having to at least pay for their hotels and then pay for their food, pay for their gas. Um, and that all adds up. Um, but the number one thing is... The tax write-offs, though, right? Um, to an extent, okay. right. To an extent, yes. Uh, a lot of it is a write-off. Uh, there are stipulations that happen with that, but most of it is a write-off. Uh, but we have to have that money up front because, you know, him and I both work 40-hour-a-week jobs, and I, I wish we could just do this for a living, and that's all we did, but that's, that's not the case. Um, but as of up till now, special effects have always been the biggest thing that come out of it. And then probably number two is wardrobe. wardrobe. That's kind of one thing I want to get into when you talk about special effects. How difficult is that part of it to make sure? Because what you guys are doing, um, you know, you're, you're, you're cutting people's limbs off and <laughs> slashing throats. and um, Heads coming off, right? Yeah, yeah. So how difficult is that? Is, is that why it costs so much because you have to make it look so real? Basically, it's, it's the product that you have to buy. The special effects artist... Um, the amount of blood that we've used in our film, it's, it's the, amazing how much blood is used, how many gallons, and that's made. It's not something that's bought. Um, and there are props that are involved in buying, like we, we bought, a, we had to buy a, a vertebrae because we had somebody's spine ripped out in a scene one time. And a lot of that does, there is camera trickery with that to make special effects even look more realistic. Uh, but basically, it, it's getting the right person that knows what they're doing and right now Cassandra Baker is our uh, supervisor special effects artist and she's done a great job with us and it's trusting somebody that you PJ comes up with these elaborate kills and he hands them off to her and then you know after she cusses him out a little and stresses out a little then <laughs> she she figures out what to do and then comes to us and tells us how to do it and then um, the director of photography comes in and they kind of figure out how to film it to make it you know better for her and lighting and stuff like that but it's just a conglomeration of a lot of people, but basically that all goes down to the special effects supervisor. That's that's her thing that she does, and she's what makes it come to life. So has that made it easier with the digital age to be able to, because uh, I don't know, did you ever use anything other than digital cameras? Uh? No. Um, I mean, I, I when I started early, early on, I mean, I, a lot of the stuff that I shot on originally was like VHS, SVHS, that kind of <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah, super, super low tech. Um, the the great thing, the great thing, and the bad thing about the digital age is, a, it has made um, the ability to acquire better equipment to shoot things, so things do look a lot better when you're shooting, you know, in full HD. And now, now a lot of you know, in if indie filmmakers have the option of also doing like 4k and that kind of a thing and inevitably it'll be 8k and beyond but um but the downside too is that with uh with the ability to, to acquire this type of technology um dslrs and those you know those types of uh cameras and things the different lenses that you need a lot of lighting equipment is fairly affordable now um Anybody and everybody who thinks that they could be a filmmaker kind of comes out of the woodwork and tries to be a filmmaker. So the independent film is extremely saturated with, 
with a lot of people doing independent films of, you know, of varied quality. But I think really what it comes down to, it goes back to what Eric said a second ago, it really kind of depends on who you're working with, um, you know, and what you're trying to achieve. So, you know, there, there is a lot of back and forth and give and take and compromise and things, things of that nature. Um, but ultimately, uh, at the end of the day, it's like, as long as you're, I, th I think as long as you're trying to tell a good story, um, or you know exactly what it is that you're that you're trying to achieve, and you do achieve that, then I, then I think it makes it a lot easier for for people who are watching, or your demographic, or whoever it is that you're reaching out to that you're trying to get their attention. Um, I, I think those people will really, uh, it, what you're doing will resonate with that with your audience. And thankfully, that's what ended up happening with, with the Volumes of Blood films, is we knew exactly what we were doing, what we were trying to make, what we were trying to accomplish. We set out to accomplish that, and then, you know, once you get it done, you, you put it out there. And thankfully, all the critics and a lot of the people who have watched it at film festivals and now on video on demand with Amazon Prime and iTunes and all that, they all kind of reached out and said, hey, we really love what you guys are doing. Now, you do have the opposite side, too. You do have people saying, man, this is total garbage. This is <laughs> this is crap. Don't waste your time with, with what these people are doing. That will wrap up our show. I want to invite you back next week for part two of my discussion with PJ and Eric. And on that show, we'll be talking about their upcoming project, Volumes of Blood Part 3. And I'll talk to them about what to expect with that movie and what they're trying to do to get it funded. So to send us questions or to provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website, its mobile app, and iTunes, where you can subscribe to Inquire. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquire.